Welcome to the Love You More podcast. This is Jennifer McDaniel. And today we are talking about the subject burnout. I know I'm not alone. I know that you might not be feeling burnout in this very moment while you're listening to this, but I am going to guess that in the past couple of weeks, if you have been living in the same world that I am living in, at some point or another, you have felt burnt out. And Today, I'm going to be sharing some of the wisdom that I received from a book called Burnout. It was written for women, and it's called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle, because over the last two years, we have been in a really strong stress cycle, and I wonder how you're doing. I wonder how you're taking care of yourself. I mean, this whole podcast is about self-care self-compassion. And so today we're tackling stress and just feeling simply burned out. So um, I wanted to discuss, they have like a three-part component definition of burnout. So let me share some of that with you. Um, Oh, and let me just, let me tell you the name, the author's names are two sisters, actually. Emily Nagowski and Amelia Nagowski. I hope I'm saying their last names right, but check out the book. It's really good. This is the cliff notes for you. Um, But let's start off with the definition of burned out. So three components, first off with emotional exhaustion. When it feels like you're trying to constantly meet your own demands and expectations and those of your job, your family, and your friends, and you easily slip from tiredness to stress and anxiety. So emotional exhaustion, I'm pretty sure you all know what that feels like. The second part of the burnout definition is depersonalization, which is when you find your capacity for compassion, empathy, and caring dwindles. Hmm, That feels a lot like parenting every once in a while. (laughs) I mean, these precious, sweet boys of mine who I love so much and I know deserve all of my attention and presence and caring, but when we are dealing with things like COVID and working from home and quarantining, and those are just naming a few, we begin to lose our ability to really have true empathy for those around us. And that's not, that's not us. That's not who we are. That's not who we want to be, but I just want, I like this. I like hearing this because it reminds me of how human I am, that this is part of the definition of feeling burned out. And then the third part or component of the definition is decreased sense of accomplishment. So the feeling that nothing I'm doing matters. And of course, what you're doing matters. Of course it does. But you know, there are days where you wake up and you just think, gosh, does what I do matter? Is it going to make a difference? So there is, that's, that's our three-part definition. That's what creates stress, And stress is not good for us. I mean, I I don't have to tell you that. We all know that stress raises our stress-related hormones. It causes GI issues. It causes, increases our risk for chronic disease. It decreases our mood. It increases our risk for depression. So we really have to learn how to be deliberate stress dealers. And I'm going to talk about a lot of different strategies today. I want you to settle in on one, just think about the simplest one that resonates with you, that feels right. And just work on that one. And maybe you're already doing some of these things. And if you're doing these things already good for you, 
this is just like, you can help us learn. <laughs> so let's talk about um, the difference between stress and stressors. So a stressor is a situation that triggers our physical and emotional reactions. And a stressor is something that we cannot often control. Uh, a stressor could be as simple as in the morning, trying to find a pair of gloves or the right mask for my children when they're supposed to be leaving for school and I'm afraid they're going to be late. That's, an, uh, that's a simple stressor. Or it could be a bigger stressor, like losing someone that you love or finding out that you have COVID and that your children have to be quarantined for 10 weeks and you have a huge work project deadline that you have to get done. So those are the stressors and those are things that we cannot control. And I wanna separate these two because it's important. You know, the serenity prayer, I'm not gonna be able to say it right off the bat, but you know what I'm talking about. You want to be able to manage what you can control and accept the things that you, can, that you cannot control. So the stress response, how we respond to these stressors is what we can control. And so this is what we're going to be tackling. So the stressors that we feel in the short term from, or the stress that we feel from the stressors in the short term might feel like anxiety, might feel like um, an upset stomach. It might cause you to not sleep well at night. It just makes you feel anxious, right? Those are some of the shorter term stress impacts from stressors. And then if we let those fester and grow and we don't deal with those things, now we're looking at long-term issues, heart disease, IBS, depression, decreased immunity, which is certainly not what we want right now, right? So those are the things that if we don't control our stress can really have a negative impact on our health. So let's start off and think about ways. And again, this is going to be a list of ways that we can deal with stressors so they don't impact our, our health negatively. The first and foremost way to deal with stress is my favorite one, and it is movement. Moving the stress physically out of your body. Movement does not have to be hard. Movement sometimes looks like for me rolling around on the floor, just moving my body in small stretches that feel good. You know, it could be that simple. It could be gentle. It could be yoga, or it could be really like stressor. Like some days I feel like turning up thunderstruck and running really hard and fast or lifting weights and like pushing myself. That's how movement can feel, but we really need to move. And we don't just need to move every once in a while. If you want to be a deliberate stress dealer, you have to move daily. And you might think, oh, I can't move daily. I don't have time for that. Yes, you do. You don't, this, it doesn't even require a lot of time. It could just literally be five minutes of stretching before you go to bed. But that movement gives you the opportunity, gives your brain the message that you are safe believe it or not. And they, that was one of my favorite things that I loved reading in their book was that movement is a message to your brain that you have successfully survived the threat. And now your body is a safe place to live. Isn't that crazy to think about movement being that way, but it does, it, it really allows us to deal with stress better. And you do need to do something every day 
they suggest 20 to 60 minutes. Um, so, you know, I get that. I think, I think we have the 20 minutes. It's just about finding what it will replace. Will it replace me scrolling on social media for 20 minutes at some point in the day? Um, maybe it, maybe it takes the place of me getting some housework done. Maybe it's me asking my husband, Hey, I need to go just do some stretches for like 20 minutes. Can you hang with the kids for a little bit? You know, getting your needs met is true self-care. And so movement is definitely one of my favorite ones. The next thing is something that I have also learned to embrace on a more regular basis, and it is breathing. Thankfully, we all have our breath right now. It is always with us. And the way that we can control how we breathe makes a huge difference in how stress plays a role in our body. So it could be as simple. I, I'll never forget. I mean, I've done lots of, you know, corporate wellness presentations in groups. I love group education. And um, one time I was doing a presentation with about a hundred people back in the day when I could be in person with these individuals and we were talking about breathing and I just had, we all just took one breath together <laughs> and I will never forget the way that that energy in the room changed. It was unbelievable. Everybody, I could just feel the stress being released off of the employee's shoulders. So we have this and we can practice it in an intentional way, which is often called meditation. Um, there's other words that we could call it. Um, just like, I don't know, uh, what is it? What are the other words? Like just sitting there and breathing. There's other words. They're not coming to my mind right now. <laughs> I like the word meditation. Meditation to me feels right, but you can find something that maybe feels better to you. Maybe meditation for you feels too woo woo or like, you know, um, goes against something that you believe in, but Meditation really is just attention to your breath and um, attention to your breath while you quiet your mind, but yet also don't judge yourself when you start thinking about things. And I started a meditation practice years ago. I know I've talked about this in other podcasts, but it really has been a time, especially for me, it's a time in the morning where I sort of set myself straight and I give myself the opportunity for quiet. And that quiet to me is very important. It helps me to be able to just at least begin my day in a state of regulated nerves. And, um, you know, some days meditation comes easily and I feel like, well, I kind of, I'm done with that after it's finished and I feel pretty good. And then other times I'm like, I don't even know what I just did. I'm pretty sure I thought thoughts the entire time of meditation, but even if you just are looking at one single breath or the, another technique that people talk a lot about is called box breathing. It feels like a triangle breathing to me because maybe I'm thinking about it wrong, but anyway, you, you breathe in for four seconds, you hold your breath for four seconds, and then you breathe out for four seconds. So that to me feels like a triangle, not a box, but maybe I'm missing something, but either way, you are holding your breath and you are slowly exhaling. And it's the exhale actually that increases um, what's called our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our calming nervous system, which helps to make us feel better. So what I like to try to do is breathe in for say four seconds, hold my breath for four seconds, and then breathe out long and slowly for, for pretty much as long as I can. 
that really helps to make a difference. And if you do this lying down, I remember one time I was at my friend chiropractor's office and she was finishing up and she always kind of rubs my neck at the very end, which is very lovely. And I was laying there and you could just hear my stomach going nuts. It was like doing all sorts of gurgling and making all sorts of noise. And I was like, wow, I swear I'm, I swear I had lunch. I don't know why it's so sounds so hungry. And she was like, no, no, no. It's just that you're resting and you've engaged your parasympathetic nervous system and it's called rest and digest. So it helps our digestive system to work better. And when we think about IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and so many people are dealing with gut issues, how connected is that to our mind? It is, it is the gut brain axis. And if we are anxious, then we are upsetting our digestive system. So in all of our work with our team at McDaniel nutrition, and we're, we work with our IBS clients. Part of that conversation is stress management and breathing and understanding the connection between being calm and having a calmer mind. And therefore helping our, our gut to be more calm. So, so breathing is very important. Meditation is a wonderful, like a uh, concentrated time to practice, right? And if anything motivates you um, to, mo- to, to meditate, one study that I found around longevity was like so powerful to me. So let me share that study with you. So it was looking at the difference between biological aging and chronological aging. Biological aging is the aging of your cells. And we can, scientists can look at that by looking at something called telomeres, which are the, um, which are part of your DNA. And if we have long telomeres, then we are, we've got long longevity. If our telomeres are short, then that is looking at uh, not long, not living long lives. So we can look at how biologically old we are by looking at our telomeres. So So that's biological aging. And then you all know what chronological aging is. Chronologically, I am 43 years old. Um, I've never had my telomeres examined, but I would hope that biologically I am younger. But anyway, so in this study, they looked at individuals who had started a meditation practice at the age of 30, and they compared them to people who were 30 who did not meditate. And when they looked at them five years later, the meditators, of course, chronologically were 35, but biologically their cells showed that they were 23 years old. I mean, is that not amazing? And then the, the non-meditators, uh, I don't actually know what the non, they, they, they aged more quickly, whereas the meditators aged like half the time. So I probably didn't explain that as clearly as I could have, but Regardless, meditation helps to increase longevity, all right? It helps us to take the edge off stress. And how long does it, how long a day do you need to do it? Start small. I started my meditation practice with one minute. Then I moved up to two minutes the next day. And finally, I reached a spot where I can meditate for 30 minutes and be, you know, pretty happy about it. Um, But what the research says is 10 minutes a day is where we should be at, if we really want to reap the benefits of, of meditation and our breath work, then we're, we're trying to aim for at least 10 minutes a day. All right. Other stress management strategies include planning. Some of you all are wonderful planners. Um, I'm very impressed by you. 
I, I am not, that doesn't come naturally for me, but I do know that when I have the moment to plan for myself, I'm just going to use the example meal planning. Um, today I meal plans. We're going to have some lasagna next week. I hope, I think we're going to have shrimp tacos, maybe one night and fried rice. Those are my, my meals that I planned for next week. And then I'll fill in the rest with like breakfast for dinner, pizza night, one night. And, um, I don't know, snacks for dinner or something, (laughs) but when I plan for myself on Friday, I usually meal plan on Fridays at lunchtime, populate my Instacart at some point, have the groceries delivered, or I go pick them up on Saturday. And then I do a little bit of prep work on Sunday. That makes my week go by so much more smoothly. That reduces stress. That reduces decision-making. And so much of stress is related to something called decision fatigue. We have to make so many decisions in a day especially moms. I'm just going to say that moms have to make so many decisions in a day. Our minds are always thinking and, um, you know, that wears you out. So if you can plan ahead, whether it might be when you're going to exercise the week going forward. Um, I know things like travel always stress me out. So if I can like maybe plan what I need, what we need to pack and all that sort of thing, then when the time comes, when I'm tired, I've already done something for myself. I've done it when I had the energy. So thinking about ways that planning can help you reduce decision fatigue helps us really reduce our stress and our anxiety around all the things that we have to do in a day. Another strategy that they talk about in the book that I really like Um, is called positive reappraisal. So what is that? Positive reappraisal is recognizing that the stressor, whatever that stressor was, has some worth or value. And um, I want to make sure that I'm very clear about what this means. This is not look on the bright side. This is not just enjoy the journey. You know, it's hard, but you got to enjoy the journey. That, that is pooping rainbows. We are not pooping rainbows. We are positive reappraising. So that is recognizing that, yes, something is hard about this. This is really hard and this is really uncomfortable, but I am probably getting stretched and I am probably growing somehow because of this, this positive reappraisal comes more easily for people who are optimists, right. Um, than realists, (laughs) But I think when we find the silver lining and we try to find how this stress is somehow creating strength, then that is helpful. So I really, I I mean, I I sometimes struggle with this and I think sometimes, sometimes, you know what, it is okay if you can find zero silver lining and you just want to feel your feelings Um, I'm going to have an entire podcast dedicated to understanding feelings, but anyway, that's called positive reappraisal. So it's just something to think about. Are you good at that naturally? Or maybe is that something that you could work on? I want to also talk about a few other things that don't work when it comes to stress and burnout, just telling yourself that everything is okay, or telling yourself that you should be grateful 
those are intellectual conversations. It's not physiologically how you feel. It's like lying to yourself. Yes, it's good to be grateful and gratitude is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But just telling yourself that you should, remember should is not something that we should do, (laughs) doesn't help us. It really doesn't help us. So we want to honor the stresses. We want to recognize them for the challenges that they are. And we want to offer ourselves the self-care, whether it's movement, whether it's breathing, something else that they talk about in the book uh, is finding creative outlets, you know, doing something like I have a girlfriend who knits and she knit me like gloves. I have no idea how she did it. I'm always, I'm so impressed with people that do things like that. I tried to pick up the guitar as my creative outlet. I haven't gotten very far on that, but that is something that, you know, it brings me joy. It brings me joy to try it. It is stress relieving. Some people like to color. Some people like to draw. I mean, it's, there's, there's endless possibilities of how adults can be more playful in their lives. So are you doing enough fun, playful things that actually help you? I think that sometimes we get stuck in playful things like, oh, going to go have a drink or I'm going to stay up late and watch TV. But does that really help you in the long haul? That's short, short term stress busting. And in a lot of a lot of cases, that short term stress busting ends up causing more stress in the long haul. So. um, So, yeah. So the other final piece to this burnout conversation is take a note, take notice of how you feel after you do something. Because all these things that we talked about, if you're going to practice them and give it a shot, you might might already be doing all of them, but um, take a note of how you feel. We're so quick to notice when we don't feel well, Um, but we're less quick to notice when we feel good and to applaud ourselves and to celebrate celebrate when you do something well, little things, pat on the back. Way to go, Jennifer. Use your first name. Call your name by your first name. Research says that works. Jennifer, that was an awesome run. You got out there. It was eight degrees. You busted your butt. You feel good. Wow. That feels empowering. I'm going to do that again sometime. We really need to sit with the good. That will reinforce those habits. That'll make us feel pulled to want to do good versus having to push ourselves. So that's it. That is it. I hope I feel better. I feel better after having this conversation. I hope you feel better after hearing this conversation, letting it sit with yourself for a little bit. You deserve to take care of yourself. Love you more. 